I want to welcome all of our online viewers to our weekend services. This is a special weekend at Wooddale Church. It is our Summer Missions Festival. And due to the nature of what we're going to be talking about with our global partners and where they serve, we can't stream live. However, I've got great news for you. We have David Pierce, who's going to bring a message that is going to challenge your hearts. David is a dynamic speaker, and what you're about to hear, I think, is going to radically change the way you pray and the way you think about global missions. So enjoy. Good morning. It is really a great privilege for me to be here. I am so honored to speak during your worldwide uh, conference. Really, it means a lot. And I can't exaggerate how blessed we are by Wooddale. This church has been so incredibly supportive of us, and I'm very humbled by that. I have my wife, Jody here. So if Jody, you could stand up. This is my wife. Actually, we met in Amsterdam uh, in the earlys. In the, I've been speaking a lot today. I'll try that again. We, we met in the early 80s in Amsterdam. And uh, it was after university I went to Amsterdam, and that's where I met Jody. That's where our two sons were born, uh, just on the edge of the red light district. And uh, we felt like God wanted us to reach the young people in the city who would never go to church, which was pretty much everyone in the city. Because people there are very cynical. They have a very negative idea about Jesus. And we lived in a real crazy neighborhood because of all the junkies in the neighbor, neighborhood. You, you know, there's all these needles on the street. And so we had to teach our kids not to touch them so they wouldn't get AIDS. Uh, I'd like to carry my son around on my shoulders and drug dealers would come up to me and they try to sell me drugs and they go hash do you want to buy some hash and uh one day my son Aaron was on the when he was about two years old was on the balcony of our apartment and these people were walking by in the street and he's going hash hash uh, because he he thought hash meant hello in Dutch <laughs> and so it was crazy and God put a burden on our heart to reach these, these very cynical young people. They would actually wear T-shirts with Jesus on the cross and below it would say, I don't love you anymore, sign Jesus. And so how are we going to reach these, these young people who have this idea that Jesus is just a dead tradition? You know, there's a beautiful church that you could see from our apartment. It was often closed on Sunday. It was surrounded by house of, houses of prostitution and uh, they'd go, yeah, the church, it's this dead tradition. It's a piece of jewelry that you wear around your neck. And so we were saying, God, how can we reach them? So we would go out into the forest at night outside of the city. It'd be cold and raining most of the time, like it is in Holland. We'd go out and we'd pray all night. Jesus, help us. How are we going to reach these young people? And it was during this time that we started a church on an old boat uh, behind Central Train Station, the address was Steiger 14, which means Pier 14 in Dutch. And that's where the name of our mission came from. And during this time, I felt like I should start a band to bring Jesus to them, to go to their clubs, to their places, to show them the truth about who Jesus really is. And this has turned into a worldwide mission. It wasn't our plan. That's just what happened. 
And our, our whole thing is to reach what we call the global youth culture. It's a whole new phenomena today. Because of social media, because of globalization, you have young people all over the world today who are watching the same movies, playing the same video games, listening to the same music, and they're being destroyed by the same lies. Many of them are completely rejected uh, Christianity as, an, as something they should look into, but they're spiritually searching and they're very hungry. And so God has called us to reach these young people. And uh, we, we're very involved in having, we have local presence around the world in different cities. It's very important for us to work with the local church. That's why we're so excited that we have this partnership with Wooddale. And one of the things that we do is we help teach people in, in the church how they can communicate to this secularized society that we live in today. We have a table back there with some people wearing no longer music t-shirts, and you need to make sure that you go and talk to them and find out more about this ministry, because I don't have a lot of time this morning. And uh, so if you, God leads you, go to that table. And if God leads you and you don't go to that table, I hope you're eaten by worms. I have a few of my books here. This one is Rock Priest. It talks about how our ministry started. In the first chapter, it's about a concert I was at, and, and uh, because they didn't like our message, people were spitting all over me. And when people spit on you, you try to sing with your mouth closed. This one is called Revolutionary, 10 Principles That Will Empower Christian Artists to Change the World. But it's not about how to play your guitar. It's about things like what gives you authority on stage is what you do off stage. So it talks about having holiness in your life. If you don't have this, you're not going to have much authority on stage. Or about how musicians spend too much time practicing. If they would spend for every hour they spent practicing their guitar, if they'd spend another hour seeking God, what would happen to their music then? Stuff like that. And then my wife wrote a book to expose all the lies in my books. <laughs> and so, what else can I say? Anyway, it's really hard for me to preach this message again. I, I have to be honest with you, so I need to ask God to help me. So, Lord, you got to help me. You know that I want to not just give a bunch of a nice talk because they've heard a lot of nice talks. They didn't get up this morning to just hear a nice talk. So I pray, Jesus, that you would help me and that you give me fresh power and fresh anointing to give this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I think you would agree with me that the world is on fire today. You know, one of the places that we work is Beirut, Lebanon. And there are so many people that we encounter there in the universities there in Beirut who have given up hope. You know, they deal with, you know, the Middle East, there's unspeakable violence happening in the Middle East today. And it's, it's, it's uh, unbelievable the challenges that they face, that our, our, our teams face who are living full-time in Muslim neighborhoods in the center of Beirut. And at the same time, it's like there's economic crisis everywhere. A lot of our missionaries come from places like war-torn Ukraine or, or Brazil, where the, the, the economy is in, in ruins, where their income has, has gone, has, lost 50% of their income overnight. 
You know, and we're and working with our missionaries in some of these really challenging places. You know, in places like Spain, where, where unemployment is like 70%. Economic crisis everywhere. We live in a world where, the, where marriage is being redefined and destroyed. I was speaking in Amsterdam just a few weeks ago in a church, and people were giving their life to Jesus in the meeting, and this, this young woman said, I want to give my life to Jesus and asked if I would talk with her afterwards. And I go to talk to her and it turns out that she was, used to be a man, but now she's a woman and now she's so broken and she so wants to know God. We have such problems today. We have a whole generation that's being raised on pornography, on grossly violent video games. And the effects of all this stuff is is unbelievably devastating. What are we going to do when we see this, the crisis that the world is in today? Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is more powerful than all of this. I have seen him move. I am so impressed with Jesus. He is bigger than all these obstacles. He is bigger than all these barriers. There is nothing that we can't do if God calls us to go. Nothing. No closed doors. In the, last, in the last six months, I personally have been able to preach to something like 50,000 people in Europe, in, in some of the most cynical places you can imagine. We were in Russia, not just like a month ago, a couple, well, I was in St. Petersburg about three weeks ago, but we were doing a tour in Russia right when they passed the law that you can't preach. In fact, in Russia today, it's, it's against the law to have a Bible study in your home. It's against the law to pray with your neighbors in your home. And so we had people threatening us during our concerts because we do these big outdoor shows. They're saying, you can't pray with people. You can't preach. But we did anyway. And so then these, uh, these militia, there's these Kazaki militiamen, um, and they we're at one of our shows because there are so many people there, they couldn't stop it because there's so many thousands of people. So they thought, the next concert, we're going to come in force to stop them. They had a meeting, and they, they said, we're going to bring all of our guys, and we're going to stop them from having their event. Well, they got the day wrong. Yes! We were preaching in Zurich, Attacked by hooligans. Some of the guys in our band were sprayed in the face with mace. I mean, it was a bit crazy. One of, our, one of the dancers in our show almost died. Not from that riot, but in, for another reason. It was a crazy tour. We saw thousands of people come to Jesus. God did amazing things, but it was not without challenge. And what I want to say to you this morning is we live in a time when we are going to need to have a different kind of faith. A different kind of faith, and that's what I want to talk about. John the Baptist was killed. And when Jesus heard about this, he wanted to be alone because Jesus knew, he knew John was going to die, but I believe he felt bad even though he knew it was right, and he wanted to be alone. But instead of being alone, there were thousands of people there. So all day long, they're ministering to the people. In fact, they didn't even have time to eat. 
It was at the end of the day and the disciples went up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, people have not eaten the whole day. Send them away to a nearby village where they can buy some food. Now, I think the reason they did this is because they were hungry. Don't you? I mean, they probably thought the only way we'll get Jesus to get rid of the people is to give this reason. That's what I think. And Jesus looked at him and said, you feed him. Jesus, come on. We only have five loaves and two fish. It says in one passage, two small fish. <laughs> give, them, give it to me. And so they probably thought, I guess no one's going to eat. <laughs> so they gave their five loaves and their two fish to Jesus. He starts tearing it. It starts multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. Pretty soon there's so much food they can't eat all of it. But they were so tired. The disciples were so tired. So Jesus said, listen, you get in a boat, go on the other side of the lake. I will send the people away and I will meet you on the other side. So the disciples got out in the boat. It was about three o'clock in the morning. And they looked and they saw a ghost coming to them on the water. And when they saw this ghost, they were terrified, it says. They, were, they actually screamed they were so afraid. Now, when I read this, I thought, okay, you know, if you're out at night in a boat and you see a ghost, you're, it's going to be... It's going to make you afraid, but why were they so afraid? These were tough men. This wasn't the first time they were out at night in a boat. They'd been out in storms. I'm sure they saw unusual things at sea. I mean, I mean on the lake, but maybe not a ghost. But why were they so afraid? And I think the reason is because they were emotionally and physically and spiritually exhausted. And so when they saw this ghost, they, they were terrified. And I know how they felt because I was with my band in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo is a city of 20 million people. Very dangerous city. A city where you don't want to stop at a red light at night because of the carjacking. So you try to time it so you don't ever have to stop at an intersection at night. And someone from my band was on the street and uh, someone said, so where are you going to be playing tomorrow night? And he, and he said, well, Madam Satan. And he said, where? And he said, Madam Satan. He said, you don't want to play there. If you play there, they're going to kill you. And he told me that right when I was going to go to sleep. <laughs> so I'm really nervous about this. And I can remember I was looking at my face in the mirror at the hotel and I was flossing my teeth. And I did it so hard, I cut my lip. So I thought, I need to do something to calm down. So I thought, maybe if I take a, a hot shower, it'll help me. So I got, in, I got in the shower, I turned on the hot water, and the next thing I knew, I was leaning against the wall of the shower, and I was crying like a baby. And I'm going, God, I can't do this. This is too hard. I was thinking about my wife. I was thinking about my sons. I couldn't even pray because I was emotionally and physically and spiritually exhausted. All I could do is lay in my bed and say, help me. Help me, God. Then the ghost spoke. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. Jesus. Isn't that a little unreasonable? 
I mean, I'm out at night, middle of the night on this boat, and, and I see this ghost coming to me on the water. I mean, why shouldn't I be afraid? What I think what Jesus was saying to his disciples was, what did I just do? You're with thousands of people. You only had five loaves and two fish, and I started multiplying it, and I fed all these people. Why are you surprised that I walk on water? I mean, when are you going to know who I am? Why are you surprised that I walk on water? Peter wasn't convinced. He wasn't sure if it was a ghost or if it was Jesus. So he said to the ghost, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to get out of the boat and walk to you on the water. What Peter was saying to Jesus was this, demonstrate your power in my life. I don't want to stay in a boat. Everybody goes around in a boat. The boat's too boring. The boat's too conventional. In Ephesians 1.18, it says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to everyone who believes, but I just go around in a boat like everyone else. Peter was saying, demonstrate your power in my life. So Jesus looked at Peter, and he said, okay, Peter, come on, get out of the boat. This was not the first time that we played at Madam Satan. This was going to be the second time. And the first time we played there, the guy who organized for us to play wouldn't go in. I go there. My band was already in there setting up. And he said, I'm not going in there. He said, I don't know what you're into. I don't want to die. I'm going, great, thank you. I go into the club, and the first thing I notice is they had a book, they had a, uh, like a table where they're selling books on torture. They're sell selling a book by a guy named Alistair McCrawley who calls himself the Antichrist. They had a curtain you could go behind if you wanted to have sex. We were playing down in this cellar where all the walls were painted black. In our concerts, we show a modern-day crucifixion with live, during our show with live music, using special effects and stuff. We show this modern-day crucifixion. And so I was representing Jesus in the concert, and I was killed, and I was put in a, into a coffin to show how Jesus died. And when I was in the coffin... It was like all the demons started coming out of people. People started blaspheming and screaming and swearing. And I can remember I was laying there and I thought, this must be what hell is like. And when I came out of the coffin to show how Jesus rose from the dead, it was okay. I mean, we had some okay conversations, but to be honest with you, I was just happy to have survived the experience. So we're getting ready to go back the next year to Brazil. And our tour organizer contacted me and he said, I have good news for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, Madam Satan wants you to come back. <laughs> I don't know why you're clapping. <laughs> and I'm like, no. We're... 
we don't want to test God. He wanted to know if we were willing to go all the way for him and not deny him. And we, we didn't deny him. But we're not, I'm not going to put my, my people back into this place. And he said, okay. And then I went for a walk. And I started feeling a little bit like Peter. And I said, God, are you not strong enough to move in this stupid club? I stand up in churches, and I say that you are powerful. Well, why can't you move in this club? I want to see your power in my life. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to hear about it. I want to see your power in my life. Why should I follow you if you're not real? I want to see your power in my life. Think of the glory you'll receive if you can move in this place. And I felt like Jesus looked at me just like he, like he looked at Peter. And I felt like he said, okay, David, get out of the boat. And so we went back. And it was worse than it was the first time. And you could feel, you could taste the evil in this place. Again, we're playing in this cellar. Again, we show in our concert how Je a modern-day crucifixion. We show how Jesus died. Again, I'm, I'm representing Jesus. I'm, I'm put into this coffin like before. But this time, instead of people blaspheming and screaming and swearing, all you could hear was people weeping. I'm laying there, and I could just hear weeping everywhere. People were talking to each other. They said, there's a different spirit here, different spirit here tonight, and it's love. When I came out of the coffin like I did before to show how Jesus rose from the dead, this time, the Holy Spirit fell like water, like rain. I don't know how to, that's the best way I can describe it to you. It felt like it was raining, just like felt it just raining. You could feel it physically. I said to them, you know what I'm saying to you is true because you can feel God's power and no one could argue with me. People rushed us for Bibles. We ran out of Bibles at Madam Satan. The club owner... The club owner came up to me with his girlfriend, and he was shaking. I took his hand. I said, God loves you. And he said, he does? I said, yes. And I prayed with the, the club owner of Madam Satan and his girlfriend. And a pastor that we work with in Sao Paulo said he felt the Holy Spirit stronger in Madam Satan than he's felt him in any church. And the Gothic underground was shaken in Brazil because there's no one more powerful than Jesus.
We have to get out of the boat. We have to get out. We can't stay in the boat. When when you're in the boat, it's all about me, right? My gifts, my abilities. So that's why I have to... I have to learn all about myself. I have to develop myself, my gifts, my abilities, because it, in the end of the day, I have my, t- my, you know, I have my token prayer times, but at the end of the day, I know it really depends on me. And I, and I, have, I have five loaves and I have two fish, so I have to come up with a plan to leverage my five loaves and my two fish. And I come up with this strategy, this human strategy, this reasonable kind of faith, to accomplish the things God has asked me to do. Because that's how it works when I'm in the boat. But, if I'm willing, if I'm willing to get out of the boat, the first thing I realize, that it has absolutely nothing to do with my gifts or my abilities. I know that if God takes his hand off of me for one second, I'm dead. I only have five loaves and two fish. I don't even have enough to feed my family. I don't have enough to take care of myself. I mean, I'm not naive. I know that the problems we face today, there's no human answer. There's no human strategy. There's no human program that's going to solve anything. But I also know that if I'm willing to give what I have, even though it's not enough, even though it's not impressive, if I'm willing to give what I have, if I'm willing to give it all to Jesus, he can take it and he can multiply it, and he can use my life to feed the multitudes. Yes! And that is what he wants to do in every man and woman here. There's too many boat Christians We don't need any more. God didn't call you for this. And maybe, you know, some of us, when we were started out, when we, were, we started out following Jesus, we, we walked in the water a little bit, but then we got more mature. And we, we came up with a nice boat Christianity. You know, I mean, it's, isn't it great how, how God calls some people to be out of the boat, but he's called me to the boat, and it's, it's all right. No, it's not. It's not all right. 
It's not all right. The world's on fire. And to be an authentic follower of Jesus is to live a supernatural life. And I'm not suggesting that everyone is supposed to do what I do, but what I am saying, that no matter what part you're supposed to play, it's not in the boat. I'll tell you that. And I think some of us need to respond. You're not here by accident. You're here because he wants to call you to a new kind of faith. A radical kind of faith. And you need to maybe, you need to even repent. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I came up with this idea that it was okay for me to, to have this risk-free faith and I apologize and I repent and I don't want to do it anymore and I don't know what you're calling me to be or do but I'm not staying in this boat anymore and if that's you I want you to humble yourself in front of your brothers and sisters and I want you to come up to the front of the church and kneel and if you can't kneel you can stand but come up here if you, if you feel like God is speaking to you now and let's together Say, God, I don't know how or why. I mean, not how you want to do it, but Lord, show us so we can obey you. Show us what you want. So if you need to respond, just come now and kneel with me.